What's up guys and welcome back it's thursday and it's beyond the void horror podcast that's right so we're here to announce our winner today Woo! for the big box of horror october horror box btv vip club giveaway so if you have entered into the contest by wednesday yesterday then you are entered in this contest and we will be announcing that winner in just a little bit. Woo. Today, though, to let you know what we're going to be doing today, we're going to be talking about two movies that are behind the screen, or as we're calling this, Behind, behind the Screen. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about two movies today, Burbian Sound Studio, and we're going to be talking about the comedy G- giallo horror comedy uh whatever is called the editor so these are both kind of sort of uh giallos or giallos some people call it but it is pronounced giallo i just found out recently because mm-hmm. c- i'm an idiot i've always read it i've never really heard anybody say it properly i've never actually heard anybody say giallo but that's how you say it right um but these two movies are pretty much like that they they're homages towards different types of italian horror that have black club murderers in it. Very different from one another, but we'll be talking about and breaking those down in just a minute. To go ahead and announce our BTV VIP club member winner for this month's October Big Box giveaway. So out of the 40-some people that we had on the BTV VIP club, we picked out eight randomly, and we attached them to the Wheel of... Horror! (laughs) So we'll go ahead and uh, play that little jingle real quick, and then we're going to go ahead and push the button now to see who the winner is right now. So we're going to talk about other things real quick. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So the winner of the BTV VIP Club Member Award for the Big Box Giveaway is Roger Lindsay. That's Roger Lindsay. Woo! 
Woo! Yeah. Congratulations! Oh, you yeah. are the winner. Show us your tits or balls. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I want to say thank you for everybody that participated and who was a part of the VIP club. Uh, we really appreciate you guys that are belonging to it. And because of that, because you're signing up, we're giving away this gift to you. And if you stay in the VIP club, if you put this, by the way, just to give you guys a heads up, if you put this email that you get from us in spam, it automatically removes you from the list. Right. So you can't be tricky about it. <laughs> if you don't want to belong to it, no big deal. We don't have any problem with that. If you just want to listen and not get emails, that's cool, too. We want to say thank you. Congratulations to you. We will be contacting you today via email. So be sure to check your email. I'll be writing you an email to get your address and everything, all the deets. And uh, hopefully we can get in contact with you. Now, if for some reason we don't hear back from you by Wednesday of next week, then we're going to have to pick another winner. And spin the wheel again. And spin the wheel again. So unfortunately, that's just the way we got to do it. We've got to keep things rolling here. But again, everybody that entered the contest, thank you so much for being a part of it. We really appreciate you guys listening. Even if you didn't win, you're still winners in our books because uh, yeah. seriously, thank you. And also, you're welcome because there's some pretty cool shit in that box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually, there's some things in there that I was like, I want that. But I right. was like, no, if Ooh. I want it, they'll want it. So we'll just leave it in there. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations. Yeah. Show me your boobs. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to go ahead and kick it off with our flesh and potatoes segment this week. Of Behind the Screams. All right, guys, we're back for the flesh and potatoes of Behind the Screams. So we're going to be going in and kicking it off with Britney's movie that she researched for. What is that movie called, Britney? This movie is called... I can't drum roll. So like, Are you drum rolling because I'm you don't trying. know how to say the name? No, I know how to say it. I think I say been it right. Yeah, but we've been struggling with it. Like, I feel like I say it correctly and Alex said it wrong earlier. I've said it right and wrong. But I don't know. So anyway, feel free to correct us. And if we if we said it wrong, no, I'm sorry. I think but. you're right. So we are going to kickstart this episode off with Barbarian Sound Studio. Boom. She said it right. Yay, me. <laughs> which, which was released on August 31st on 2012 in the UK. Okay. This film was directed and written by Peter Strickland, who hasn't really had that much stuff to his credit. He's an artsy-fartsy um, kind of guy. Definitely an artsy-fartsy. does a lot of shorts. Um, So a couple of the films that I can say to his credit were Bubblegum, which was a short film, that one of the first ones he did, I believe. A Metaphysical Education, another short film. And he also actually did Bjork, Biophilia Live. The yeah, I saw that. Which is incredible. Um, And so this film also starred which is one of my personal favorites, Toby Jones, who plays Gilderoy, who is the main character, who is the main sound editor or whatever. Well-known British actor. Yes. He's very, very well-known. He's done a lot of parts, a lot of TV roles, a lot of big movies. He does a lot of voice acting. Like, like he what? He is mm. a big um, working actor. Yeah. Um, he was in Les Miserables in 1998. 
He was the voice of Dobby in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. I did not know that. Yes, I huh. lost my nerdy fucking shit <laughs> like That's when a good I saw job. him because I was so excited. Um, he's also in Finding Neverland. He was Smee. Okay. And he's also in The Mist. Yes. And most recently, Atomic Blonde. And he was also in the TV show Wayward Pines yes. from Hulu. Oh yes, which is fan fucking. I like the first season, but the, the second first season bad. is so good. Yeah, I completely agreed. First season incredible. Kind of jumped season, the shark at the end, but mm, yeah, second season meh. One thing I want to point out about him real quick, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but I really like him as an actor because his accent is like when he does his American voice, like accent, I guess you would call it. He does a really good job in the mist. Oh, for sure. Like I would, ne- I never knew that he was a British actor. He's extremely versatile. Yeah, and one of, that's one of the things that Very I really expressive too. Extremely expressive, and he doesn't necessarily have to have any lines. Yeah. to bring his point across. Good which actor proves he's a great actor. Yeah, he has the fucking skill to do what he's doing, and hence why his list of jobs is so fucking long. Yeah, he's a he's a working actor. It was really hard for me to to pick a couple, you know, to spotlight yeah. for this. But of course I had to pick fucking Dobby. Harry Potter, I didn't know the Dobby but... thing, yeah. <laughs> like my obsession with Harry Potter is goddamn ridiculous. So <laughs> I had to pick it. This and I you know what, I'm gonna apologize ahead of time because there's a lot of um Italian actors in this and I feel like if I butcher their names I'm gonna I feel like shit. So glad you did the research. I'm sorry. Um so bear with me here, but everybody else in this film is just kind of, there's not that many big name people. Um, Toby Jones was the biggest, and then probably the girl who played Elena was probably num- the second largest actress in this film. Um, there was also Cosimo Fusco, or Cosimo Fusco, Cosimo Fusco, um, who was actually in, he played Francesco. He was actually in Gone in 60 Seconds. He was in Dante. He was a voice in Dante's Hell, the animated short. Oh, okay. Um, he went, he was also in Angels and Demons. Huh. Okay. And then we have Fatma Mohammed, who was Sylvia slash Teresa, who was in Duke of Burgundy, Box, and Catalan Varga, which she shares with another actress from this film, Chiara Diana, who was Elisa. As Teresa, who was the replacement Teresa. Right, yeah. There's a lot of the same act or same characters, but different actors. Different actresses. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah, act- no actress, actresses. actress, or actors, actresses. Um, but Chiara was also in Duke of Burgundy. Okay. And she was also in a movie called Native and Stars and Bones, which I believe was also a short, but it may have been a full length feature. Not sure. Yeah. Um, and then last but not least, there was, and I'm will not say her last name correctly to save my life. I'm sorry, but Tonya, Sotra Paolo is going to be my guess, who played Elena, who was Oh, the, yeah, that the, is Sotra Paolo. I believe it's yeah. Sotra Paolo. You might be right. Good and, luck. Right. Um, who was the bitchy fucking assistant, the hot. God, yeah, she was a bitch. The hot though. bitchy assistant. Yeah, but still, you really didn't like her character. Oh, I liked her, but we wanted her to die first. Yeah. <laughs> Um, she's in Skyfall, oh, okay. um, Hercules, and she's also in another film called The Bachelor, which I'm not familiar with at all. But Skyfall, I mean, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm, I don't do any of the James Bond anything. She seems like a good fit for it, though. Perf- yeah, she's his lover. 
So it's it's excellent that she plays that because I feel like that's fitting for her. Right. So there's not really a whole lot of trivia or fun facts or really anything like that about this film. What about the story? What's the story about? Basically, a very, very brief summarization of Barbarian Sound Studio is a sound engineer's work for an Italian horror studio becomes a terrifying case of life imitating art. Okay. So this is very much a... Vague book? Right, but this is very much a thinker, Italian, artistic film. Yeah. And I will tell you, it is absolutely fucking gorgeous. Yeah. From start to completion. Beautiful. Like, I was so excited that this was one that you picked for us to watch because <laughs> I was like, we were kind of struggling on and trying to decide on what we're going to do for our October movies. And yeah. We had between these two that we're doing this week versus another two that were more recently released films. And we were like, fuck, what are we going to do? And Alex pitched these two to me and I just fell in love with the ideas. Um, And this film, I will forever be fucking grateful for him to introducing (laughs) me to because it was just gorgeous. Okay. And I mean, it's not really to me, it's not really horror, but it's definitely it's definitely a I don't know. It's a drama horror. It's definitely thriller. Yeah, it's definitely a psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. And it can have some or- horror elements to it, but it's not really it's not gory at all. And it's not there's no like blood or gore and violence and, and and whatever. It's very much a implied and you have to really pay attention and kind of understand where they're going with it, but if if you're familiar with the giallo like genre it's very similar of italian films there it, is a black glove in it oh for sure in the inter- <laughs> yeah. interlacing so well that's kind of the and in the end who runs the film or who co- keeps playing back the clips right for them to record that's the black glove and it was it was really cool like how they tied everything i loved it yeah it was just absolutely stunning to me like it was so you you were you're bubbling at this because you didn't even ask me what I thought. No, I'm sorry. Like I did. I'm sorry. Like you're right. I totally skipped that. I I feel really bad actually. No, like don't no, worry. I want to know your thoughts. I like, really give, don't care. I don't mind. I, I'm interested. I'm excited that you're excited. No, I like I really really liked it and I was super excited cuz this is something I'd never heard of before and I was super, the artsy element in me. I was so excited about this film. But I do actually really want to know what your thoughts and what your ideas are behind it. Because I know you have more of an in-depth kind of oh, background. I, I did a lot of um, thinking about this movie because this is the second time I've seen it. I can't remember exactly what my thoughts were the first time I saw it for whatever reason. But I know that in the back of my mind, I was thinking, okay, I don't remember it being a bad movie, but I don't remember it being like something that I want to repeatedly watch over and over again. But after the second viewing, I definitely had a higher appreciation for some of the techniques and things that they did for this film, because there is a lot of, and I want to say Orwellian style. um, It is in a way because everything that you're doing is through the there is a visual aesthetic to it but it is essentially about a sound engineer so what is going to be the most primary important part of it is your ears so it feels like the story like you said is about a guy who works at a studio a sound engineer studio for a horror 
thing. He gets hired by these Italian guys to come out, right? This is a guy who's worked on sound for other movies and other kids shows and things. More like nature. Yeah, like nothing as dramatic and like scary and fucked up as this. So he's kind of a pure soul uh, that hasn't been, you know, introduced to this kind of world and he doesn't like it. But the movie feels kind of like her, the horrific scenes that the engineer, this character, sees that Toby plays. And he tries to mimic for the sound effects are sort of seeping into him. And what I like about this is that there's a lot of symbolism in the sound work that they do in this. That's one of the most amazing things about this movie is the sound because like they have a lot of symbolism with the vegetables that he's using to make slashing noises. Like there's a scene in the movie where they just focus on a rotting pile (laughs) of vegetables like two or three times. And to me, that's very symbolic of the fact that this man who does not want to be a part of this horror movie, he's never done anything like it. He doesn't like it is it's, it's like he's being forced to do something that's against his morals, ethics, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, he's using these vegetables to make puncture noises, hair pulling, and it's almost like the director of this movie, what's his name? Peter Strickland. Peter Strickland. It's almost as if Peter Strickland is trying to make you feel like he's rotting the character away, especially... That's exactly what it is. Yeah, and it's cool because there's so many different deeper levels to this movie than what it appears. On the surface, for most people, this is not going to be a movie that you're going to go, oh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Definitely not. This is an artsy-fartsy film. It's an IFC film, I believe. I'm pretty sure on that. But it's it's not a big film that you would go, oh, I can't wait to see this action-packed thing. Oh, it no. is like, hey, I want to go into this movie and feel some sort of vibe about it and try to get it. Now, that's going to be a good thing for some and a bad thing for a lot, for I a think. For a lot, right. Personally. Not a lot of people are going to come out really loving this movie. And it's one that is a big thinker. Right. You know, it's it's a psychological thriller. It's it seeps one, into you like it seeps into the character. It, you follow and slowly under, begin to understand him as it goes on. Right. And you really start to feel and understand his character and his viewpoint as the movie progresses, which I love because it takes you into his shoes. And that was the interesting thing about it to me was that he's being, from the beginning, he's being pitched that this is not a horror movie. This is not this like smut horror movie that he's doing Even though it is. Even though it is. It absolutely, absolutely is. Extreme gore, everything. Which he knows and he picks up on from the first interaction with the two men that are doing the sound elements on the stage that he's editing. Yeah, there's like the director and then there's the sound production guy. There's two guys that are out on the stage, on the sound stage, that are using these vegetables and shit to chop and these melons and like all this shit that are making this like... Talking about the Foley guys. And he has this moment in the beginning when he's first brought on and he's talking to the director or whatever of the film as they're doing the recording, the sound recording for um, the, I think they're chopping up the melons. They're chopping up the watermelon. Yeah. He's dissect, like chopping up the watermelon with this big fucking knife. And then the creepy fucking dude that's doing it comes up and hands him a piece of the watermelon. Right. And that's when he realizes that he just signed up for something he would have never signed up for. Right. But they're still trying to convince it's him It's almost otherwise. like, here's the ticket. Do you want it? Exactly. But he has to do it because it's a job. He's flown all job. his way. Yeah. He's come from the United States to 
What's the or, ca- oh Gilderoy? Gilderoy, yeah, right. Gilderoy, not United States. I think I want. He's from Britain, like London. Yeah, yeah, he's from London. He comes from London Heathrow, which is the airport there. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he lives in London, but Probably like a suburb. Yeah, they something. I know shit. he flies in from Heathrow. Um, but yeah, his character is kind of a pushover. Okay. Mm. This guy's really talented. He's, he's really good at sound engineering. Like he, and this is during the sixties and seventies guys. So we're talking about sound engineering at the earliest stage where they started using sound effects and stuff like that. Like they do like as well as they did. And he's just a master at it and they hire him for a reason but he's just really morally against a lot of what he's seeing on the screen and it's terrifying him in a way and it feels like he it's kind of just like well, like we said it's rotting him from the inside mm-hmm. meanwhile everybody that works who's working on this movie in Italy where this takes place is like the most misogynistic bully pieces of shit that you'll ever meet and it's him kind of just swallowing his pride the entire movie because he's kind of in a rock and a hard place where he just kind of has to do it right everybody is a piece of shit to him right with the exception of the woman who plays um the first woman who plays teresa or sylvia which is her actual name the one he bonds with the one he bonds with and he completely bonds with this character and she's just the she's the main actress in the film they bond right away she's the only one that's nice to him out of anybody there mm-hmm. and i don't know it was just loved it so much <laughs> like, it right. was just incredible to really watch and feel that decline with his character like it was very much an embodiment of it took you into him yeah sure the entire time it's very uncomfortable because of what he's he's it's like he's tolerating everything it's almost like you're telling him like to not deal with it like yeah, you're like, tell them to fuck themselves. Like, tell them to go fuck themselves, to fuck off. Like, you don't need them. Like, fuck this. Like, go back home. Like, what right. are you doing? However, you kind of understand as you watch when he goes home and he's on his own and he starts to do his own little experiments for sound to try and make what they want to do better. So he has, like, these cues in a way that he knows that they're going to be filming this part next. And especially, which was something that I loved so much um was when he's home and he's cooking the soup oh the, the, the stew and with the carrots yeah. and the potatoes that he's making and he has the um the microphone right up on the soup and you hear the boiling of the water and the gurgling and all of that that, that it's doing and then it cuts to the next scene and they're recording that part where they're drowning a witch you see his brain at work and how he's trying to make it sound more realistic. And you go back to what he was doing in his kitchen, the scene before that, to what they're filming with the cabbages in the water in the next scene. And you go, holy shit, how he's imagined this is so much better. It sounds more real. And it's just, it's really crazy because he doesn't want to be a part of this world. He doesn't want to do this, yet he's completely sucked into it. Yeah, because him as a artist... He soaks himself into it so much that he has to put a piece of himself into the movie. And that's why he's so uncomfortable with doing this. Because if he's putting himself into all these graphic situations, he's almost kind of like living it. Right. Almost kind of like the idea that, you know, if you watch horror movies, you're going to be a bad person. Or if you play bad video games or you kill people, you're a murderer. He literally kind of feels like if he does sound for these types of movies, it becomes him because he puts his entire being into this movie. And the way that they do this sound, by the way, the atmosphere for me 
personally, there's loads of it. And without actually showing a goddamn thing, Mm -hmm. which is fucking impressive. Incredible. That's impressive as fuck. Whether you enjoy the movie or you can sit through it or not, regardless of that, what they did, and this is why I compare it to the Orwellian thing, is because it's all based on sound and, and you kind of picturing what the movie's about because they never show it except for in the very beginning of the movie, they show a few scenes from the movie, mm-hmm. which is essentially about these witches that, I don't know if the witches are dying or they're they're putting a curse on people. They're like persecuting them. Right. And do you know what the name of the movie is, by the way? Oh, no, I missed that. It's the Equestrian Vortex. Yes, that's right, because he said he kept, he agreed because of something to do with Equestrian. Yeah, so it's called the Equestrian Vortex, Yeah, which he thinks is about horses. Which the fucking director explains in a really shitty roundabout way way later. It was hilarious. He says, uh, he goes... He goes, oh, I thought this was going to be about horses and equestrian horses. And he's like, well, it is. She was an equestrian horse trainer, but now she's not. She was riding a horse and now she's not. And yeah. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? Oh, my God. Oh, hilarious. But just so nonchalantly how he goes into that part. And I'm like, holy fuck. Well, the filmmakers, the ones that are actually in charge, they're very bully, kind of misogynistic oh, awful. filmmakers and all the staff, the characters sort of kind of get worse and worse. It's like he kind of out of formality allows certain things to happen because it's just the right way to do it. Plus, he's it's their boss. So he, he kind of has to just like go with it. But slowly, it's like they're pushing this man more and more over the ledge and the constant distrust the isolation factor the belittling that everybody does to him all the characters treat him except for that one girl who was mm-hmm. the original Teresa Sylvia S- was it Sylvia oh yeah that's right her name's Sylvia but i feel like all of those factors play a big part in his unraveling absolutely and his embrace of this horror and how he deals with it so like I said, it's a film about witches, supposedly, that they're working on. It's really kind of hard to figure out what they're doing, but you can tell, like, they even talk about, like, sticking it's, a hot poker into a, a woman's it's like, vagina. It's like at a school. Well, it's like girls, a nod to Suspiria, in my in opinion. In a way, yeah. yeah. And then and then it's a lot of flashback. Right. So they come across the in the, oh, my God, what is it? The chicken fucking... Oh my god! I don't know what they you talk, mean. They go. They talk about it twice. It's like a chicken hallway or whatever the fuck they say. In the in the movie that they're doing that a they're movie? doing in the movie, yeah. Oh, like, I but have they, no idea. They, it's like this chicken fucking. I don't know. It's it's an underground fucking cavern. Like oh, it's okay. For like chickens a cave to or come in and out or some shit. But then they're like they're saying like they're unaware of the witches, you know, corpses or whatever that are there. That's right. And um, they they nod to that twice because when they end up placing Teresa's character they have to replay that entire thing and they're trying to get her to scream right and she won't scream right and then it's this whole fucking extra nonsense but I it was really cool and yeah they it's a lot of flashback sequences for the film that they're making mm-hmm. so they do talk about the in you know to torture the witch that he inserts a red hot poker into her vagina or whatever and right. this guy's just like what the fuck did I sign up for right. like Jesus and it's so weird too because like the guy the director who shows up every now and then like he's fucking the pope or some shit, you know what I mean? He like walks around like with making people kiss his ring. Yeah, the guy with the dog. Is that the director? That's I the director. He was, like the financing guy. <laughs> no, he's the director. <laughs> the director? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, 
Um, it's just like he goes up to him and he's like, this is not a horror film, sir. After he praises... Okay, so he's praising Toby's character, Gilderoy, like he's the best thing that's ever happened to sound engineering. And then all of a sudden... He's like, I've never done a horror film, you know, and then he's like, excuse me, this is not a horror film, and I, I, you will never call it a horror film. This is an experience, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it was like, okay, whatever, like, Jesus Christ. Calm down, buddy. Yeah, like, you're freaking <laughs> out a little bit, but it's just, it's just this weird tension that they put on this the character. The entire time. Yeah, it, it, it is really weird. It's not, like I said, it's not a graphic movie or anything. Not at all. Very weird, virtual, like uh, third wall breaking sort of thing. Everything's very subtle. Like the the whole concept essentially behind it is that he... Fourth wall breaking, I meant. Yeah. Right. He tortures the actresses to create the sounds the that horror. they want. Yeah. To create the actual horror that they want them to portray. Right. So that's the entire premise or concept behind all of it. Yeah. Yet you never really get that until they bring in the second Teresa like you don't really understand that element of it until later on but that's essentially what they're trying to do is torture the actresses into portraying the actual horror that they want them to portray well it's a, it's almost like um the main character Gilderoy is slowly unraveling because he's allowing certain things to happen mm-hmm. things that he's against and then it slowly starts to unravel him to the point where he just doesn't even want to be there anymore and then he starts to like it like it's it starts to build to that point mm-hmm. where he actually is kind of enjoying it and kind of liking the sadism of it yeah you you start <clears throat> to notice like he gets letters from his mom back home like starting from the beginning yeah and you start to notice the decline in the time he writes back and that and love and um genuine genuine yeah. feeling in like the letters. he actually gives a fuck no it's from her like too like he's he starts to pick up on the fact that now she's not writing she always starts it with like gilderoy my love or whatever it's almost like a relationship not his mother right and then towards the end it becomes very matter of fact and very straightforward and it's negative. not it's negative and it's not motherly and it's not nurturing right so it's that contributes to him starting to let go and go into this madness that he's starting to understand is what's happening right. for him and that's what his future is at this point it's like he's doomed to repeat something and it was really incredible i kind of feel like and just to add one more point to it before we get into any trivia or favorite scenes I feel like this is a story about a guy not willing to change and doing things that he would never do before, but feeling pressured into doing it and then becoming somebody else in a way, um, becoming what he is a part of. So kind of like what, what you are, what you eat, or you are what you work, something like kind that. Kind of what deep down he is. Right. That we're all a little sick, maybe. Right. I don't know. And I, I get that. It's just, it was, it's just a really really well done view mm-hmm. on a man slowly losing touch with his own reality okay yeah definitely i mean it it uh, he does go mad yeah and it's really fucking cool how they do it yeah there's some really cool photo like uh cinematography like lighting cinematography like everything's like really well shot it's incredible the acting is like really spot on there's there is talking in it but a lot of the acting really just is the reaction and emotion that they put on their 
face and stuff that's really impressive to me but yeah and this like you mentioned this is definitely a more artsy fartsy <laughs> audio oh yeah related i highly recommend that if you have a sound system of any sort or even a really good pair of headphones that you listen to movies put those motherfuckers on because it is a fucking ear candy treat it's a fucking experience yeah it really is like it is auditory fucking orgasm from start to f- it's beautiful what do you think? Do you have any uh, favorite scenes that you like? I will say my I will definitely talk about my favorite scene, which is going to be kind of confusing if you haven't seen the movie. So if you don't, don't want spoilers, yeah, want a spoiler. This don't is an experience listen. movie, so tune out. If not, you know. Um, but my favorite scene, and this was he. This was after the last letter he got from his mom. And this is talking about their chickens and like the chicks and stuff that they that he has and he raises out by his shed that she's been taking care of while he's gone. Um, he gets this letter from her and it's very negative right. and very straightforward and not nurturing motherly like at all. And it's very dark and very dismal and super depressing. And she goes into this whole monologue about how she went out to check on the chicks and they were like uh, two days from leaving the nest. And she goes out and discovers that they have all been ripped apart you know, heads ripped from the bodies and feathers and bones and shit all over the place, but nothing was eaten. They were just ripped into pieces and the parents of the chicks are literally screaming. And she repeats multiple times that it must have been the magpies. After the first Teresa has, she's been replaced now, which you have to watch the film to understand why. And it's really cool. And like, and what she does is fantastic fucking tastic sure. like her revenge is great uh, but now they've recast Teresa's character and they're trying to they're getting ready to re-record her over all the original yeah. now all the lines it. that he heard from the original one that the Sylvia girl that did mm-hmm. that's gone now the new girl's saying it but she adds an extra flair to it is that what you're talking about well no my favorite scene is when she comes in and this is her first interaction with Gilderoy's character and they enter you know he gets introduced to her and she asks if it's okay if she can rehearse her lines or practice her lines in the room with him. Right, that's right. And he says it's fine. And she starts to... Read the letter. Read the... But she's not... She's reciting the letter that only Gilderoy has seen because he read it at home. He has it in his house. This is only him that's seen this letter. But she starts to... What he hears, which is probably not what she's actually reciting, but what he's hearing her recite is the letter his mother wrote him. About the magpies. About yeah. the dis- like the completely destroyed dead chicks. And it ends with, it must have been the magpies. And it's just this whole gloriously unsettling scene. Yeah. And I like, how was did she just know like this? fucking smacking mouse the entire time. I'm like, oh my fucking God. Like, <laughs> this is amazing. Like, it's so cool. Like, and this, that was really that first big sense of just dread and doom that you felt when you start to understand where his character is stands and what he's about to endure okay and it really that to me was the moment that really set up the rest of the film okay and i loved it it was just fucking incredible and that was her best acting bit in the entire part but i have a few that i i like but there's like just very subtle things that are really cool in this movie Mm -hmm. like i i personally like the fact anytime there's like a in the beginning they have a girl that's kind of singing and they kind of turn her up and they have like the audio track behind her and adding in adding reverb and stuff and just it's just this haunting singing that it mixes with the music and everything and it's just so 
It's like beautifully eerie. Oh, absolutely. And it's it's just amazing. Um, that in particular, that is one of my favorite things in the whole movie is just the, the sound of that in particular, hearing it. Teresa's song. Is it? I don't see. Yeah. I'm getting confused between because I thought <laughs> Teresa was the other girl, not the one that leaves. No, ter- Teresa's the main one. It's the one that leaves. No, she said, I'm not Teresa. I'm Sylvia. But that's her actual name. Oh. That's the woman's actual name. The character's name is Teresa, but her actual name is Sylvia. She doesn't want him to call her Teresa because it's yeah. the character's name. So it's like name. three it's layers of name. names. Like that's her, not her name is Sylvia. Yeah. Her character name in the movie is Teresa. Teresa. But her real name in the movie is Sylvia. Sylvia. And her real name in real life, I can't even remember. Uh, Fa- Fatima or something like that. Fatima? Fa- yeah. Something like that. Do you have any other scenes that uh, you want to bring up? I... <sighs> I kind of already mentioned I, I loved kind of two and one where he's doing the cooking the stew and he's recording it. Right. Yeah. Um, and then they they come into them drowning, quote unquote, drowning the witch with the cabbages in the water. Right. The next scene. And you can see on his face that he knows he did it better at his house when he's re- like kind of like researching shit on his own. I didn't get that. But I mean, I that's guess... how it played to me. OK. Um, but he's constantly trying to um, better what okay. they're doing and come up with better sounds or better ways to portray the sounds that they want to do. And that's that's what he's doing the entire time he's at home. Like he's trying to work on better ways to do what they want to do or better ways to make things sound different or sound better. And sound I just thought prolific. it was like a cauldron that he was trying to make a sound for because that didn't sound like someone drowning. So it kind of does. Like if you the go back and watch it, like... like, but if you go back and you watch and you listen to the, but it's supposed to be like, there's a part two where she's supposed to be boiling or her skin's supposed to be. Yeah. Boiling. That's what I took it as. Yeah. But then there's, I don't know. I just thought of it cool. as like when he goes back to his house, he's just working overtime because he's so passionate about he it. He is. He's, I didn't think of it as like him trying to outdo anybody. He's trying to, find his own like he himself is finding better ways to do what they're doing but okay he, but he doesn't dare bring that up when um, they do it because when you notice um sylvia teresa's character she tries to make a couple of adjustments here and there to su- make suggestions and they completely like berate her for it yeah he takes notice of that shit because he's in there trying to adjust her mic and stuff like that and he realizes i can't make any of these suggestions for the sounds that i've perfected at home on my own because they're berating this woman for making subtle suggestions for her actress is it the sylvia chick yeah okay another scene that i liked of hers is after right before she quits or gets fired technically because she's not doing the proper scream which they berate her for and just make her feel like the biggest piece of shit on the planet and she comes back and she kind of confesses to him uh that this is her last night and she's like i'm just here because i need to i just need to scream She's like, do you think you could record me? And then she gets in there and she finally does the scream that she was supposed to do. And it's this like gut wrenching scream. But as she's screaming and they add the reverb and everything to her voice, the camera comes back and it's just her screaming into the mic for this like really long pullback shot on a dolly. But it's like everywhere around her is dark except for her booth. Mm-hmm. Which I just, I don't know, it just seemed kind of like she was disappearing. There was like some symbology there. I thought that was just it, a Well, cool it leads shot. into her leaving. Yeah, totally. 
But she, after she's done there, she lays on the ground for some reason. And he's like, can I help you? Is there anything I can do for you? Because he knew that she was upset. Well, this is part of her release because she was assaulted by the director. Sexually, yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the biggest reasons why she actually leaves is because she's sexually assaulted by the director. Right. And then they're berating her because she's not doing the scream or whatever scene specifically like how they want to. So she's fucking fed up and she's done. And this was her release is this moment where she's screaming the way that she should be screaming. But then she kind of falls to the floor and she's just spent. And this was that was her moment to let everything go. Yeah. They pushed her to the point of making her actually do it. But it was too late. But it was too late. Yeah. Right. She was tortured so much to the point of actually doing it that she finally did it. But then at this point, it's too far gone for her to give a fuck else about it and then that's when she gets her revenge and it's glorious <laughs> do you have another scene that you like in this or um i uh, i love i have a i have two more and then no yeah you didn't even really give one yeah i did when well, she pulls back on the camera and everything that was beautiful yeah. but give me another one um well there's a part where gilderoy is sleeping and he hears the doorbell Mm. And then something's kind of like shaking the door handle because he lives in a studio with like a kitchen and bathroom and all this stuff right next to the soundstage where they do all the like sound engineering and everything. And so he goes, he sees the handle violently shaking. He grabs a fucking butcher knife because he's scared. He's like, who's at the door? And no one's answering him. And the door handle's just shaking, trying to break into his world. uh, Almost, it seems like. And uh, nothing's there. And suddenly the door swings open. And then he walks out trying to, like, figure out why this is happening. And suddenly a film starts playing of him in that specific scene that just happened of him. And he feels like he's now in the movie. And all of a sudden, it's like him watching himself. But now all of a sudden he's speaking Italian, which he did not speak fluent Italian. But he's speaking Italian in there like he's been sound engineered in. So it's like really meta. Mm-hmm. And he's like kind of tripping out about this. And then all of a sudden, the, the it's almost like he's like falling into the movie. Mm-hmm. Screen starts shaking. The film starts to melt on the screen that he's watching, almost signifying that now he's in another world. Like now he's a part of the film. It's almost like a transition. Right. So I thought that was really cool. It was cool. Yeah. The other one that I have... There's a scene where they had these one of the new girls that's playing that that the Sylvia girl took over for they were trying to find a new Teresa and they I think it's the third Teresa or no it's the second one and they start putting he's like you need to go in there and fucking piss her off and make her angry till she screams Tells her to torture her, yeah and he was pissed off he's like how dare you make me do this and they're speaking Italian fluent Italian at this time so he's already halfway there and the guy the his boss is like you need to go in there and do that and he gets pissed and he's like no he's like this is an easier way and he starts cranking her headphones and making her keep the headphones on and it's kind of driving her crazy and i thought that was really like sadistic yeah it's like squealing in her ears yeah and then she's like he tells her not to take the headphones off well the the boss his boss tells him tells her and then she's like fuck you and your film i'm done so i don't know i just thought it like these like it's slowly he gets into doing this right it's almost like he's being bred to be sadistic exactly and that's because of the film he's working on that moment in particular when she leaves and she quits is when you really notice on his face that he's like he's now stuck right in this almost alternate reality where he's doomed to repeat this over and over and over until they can get the right person 
to play that fucking so you role might as well just so give they can in. do it. So you might as well just fucking be the fucking sadistic asshole that they want. Be like everyone else. Yeah, instead of fighting against it and going through hell. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. So what are your end thoughts on this whole movie? Beautiful fucking film. Absolutely. Just auditory fucking ear candy. Yeah. And, and eye candy. It's f- like stunning visually as well. Yeah. But just listening to it is incredible. Yeah. But everything plays so well together. And then when you really look into the psychological side of it and you really kind of nitpick it apart, it's just, it's incredible. Cool. Like I, it was one of my favorite films that I've ever watched really? by far, but that definitely much? one of my favorites that we've, ha- that we've done. It's better than The Witch. <laughs> I didn't hate The Witch, but yeah. I didn't love it either. Yeah, I so just think it's Black better. Black Phillip's the best part about The Witch. <laughs> My thoughts, my final thoughts on this is that it's definitely not a movie for everyone. No. It is in the category of artsy-fartsy film for some, you know, some people might curse at it, saying that it's boring as fuck, and a lot of people will probably hate this film. Uh, It's very slow, not a huge payoff for probably most people who are expecting some sort of crazy shit to happen. Um, But again, I still think it's better than The Witch. (laughs) Um, more of a physical kind of aural depiction um, of what goes on in the mind when a person gives into something that you're terrified of almost like a physical representation of change right that's what it feels like to me done with like a sort of a a giallo supernatural vibe uh, blending into worlds from the 1960s and 70s but, but like I said, this is my second time watching it, and I like I like the feel of it. I think I, it's a much better film than I remembered. So, but I'm not. It's not going to be popular amongst most of the majority of viewers. So, if you're into slow burns, you can kind of get into the artsy fartsy thing. Then I'd give it a shot. If not, don't worry about it. It's awesome. I like it. Just suck it up and watch it. <laughs> but. We do have another film that we're going to talk about. We'll try to wrap this up uh, a little bit earlier for you, but um, there is a lot of information on this one in particular. I uh, did a lot of research on it. Um, this next film is The Editor, and it came out in 2014. The film is about a film editor that gets sort of embroiled in a string of murders. His name is Ray Ciso, who is once one of the greatest editors for film ever. And we're talking like, editor is in like cutting the film like physically not digitally <laughs> no it's all physical yeah it's an it's in a it's a retro pastiche style movie paying homage to the late 70s and 80s this is super yellowist yeah and it's <laughs> uh but he was once one of the greatest uh editors the world had ever seen and when he had a some sort of like a horrific accident that left him with four wooden fingers on his right hand, he had to kind of resort to cutting pulp films and trash films, like shitty horror films and stuff like that. But when the lead actors from the film he's been editing turn up murdered at the studio, Ray is fingered as the number one suspect. Ah, fingered. Yeah, that's what it says here. <laughs> The bodies continue to pile up in this absurdist giallo thriller as Ray struggles to prove his innocence and learn the sinister truth lurking behind the screams. Shut up. It says behind the scenes, but... Oh. (laughs) I was like, what? But this movie uh, actually came out on uh, September 11th, 2014, by the way. 
kind of a weird uh, date. Um, this was at the was Toronto that US release. No, Sorry. it was just the Toronto International Film Festival. Then it hit Chicago International Film Fest on October 18, twenty fourteen, and then it hit Blu-ray and DVD on September eighth, twenty fifteen. So it took a year for the general public to really see it. I watched it immediately and was pretty happy with it. Yeah. <laughs> it is directed... Oh, they spent about $130,000 Canadian to make this movie, by the way, which is pretty low for what they did with it. Yeah, I um, agree. It's directed by two guys, Adam Brooks and Matthew Kennedy, who are also coincidentally the writers of the film and also star in the film. Uh, there's three writers, actually. Connor Sweeney, who also is an actor in this movie, was a writer on it. He plays Cal Konitz. He was in Manborg, Father's Day, ABCs of Death, T, the letter T segment. Adam Brooks, who uh, is in this movie as well. He plays Ray Ciso, the editor. He was in Father's Day and all these other movies, the same as uh, Connor Sweeney. Director, writer, Matthew Kennedy. Inspector, he plays Inspector Peter Porphy who is in those other movies as well. Uh, Udo Kier is in this movie as Dr. Cassini. He was in the movies Blade, Masters of Horror, the uh, cigar Cigarette Burns episode that John Carpenter directed, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, he was in Flesh of Frankenstein, Blood of Dracula, Suspiria, a really young version of Udo Kier. He was also in Mother of Tears by Dario Argento too, and Oodles more. Udo's Oodles. more. <laughs> Udo's more. I like Oodles. <laughs> Paz de la Huerta, who plays Josephine. Josephine, she was in Nurse 3D. She was in that weird drug movie called Enter the Void. It was sort of metaphysical. Yeah. Uh, Boardwalk Empire, she plays uh, in there. Oh, shit. She was in the movie Tro Choke, excuse me. Oh, yeah. David Arquette's uh, directorial debut called The Tripper, where Ronald Reagan goes around and kills people. Um, also, Lawrence R. Harvey, who was also in... He plays Father Clark in this one, but he mm -hmm. was a.k.a. The Wizard. The Wizard! <laughs> He was in Father's Day, Human Centipede 2 and 3, My Bloody Banjo, Frankenstein Created Bikers, and a lot more, too. But he's, I always remember him from Human Centipede, Human Centipede. 2, which was greasy as fuck. Yeah. Yas. Um, Sorry. <laughs> Samantha Hill's in this movie as Bella. Fear itself, the TV series she was in, uh, which is on Netflix, and a movie called Bad Meat. Uh, Tristan Risk, who she plays Veronica. She was in American Mary. Yes! Har Sorry. <laughs> Harvest Lake and Frankenstein Created Bikers. Stephen Kostansky was in this movie doing the special effects, practical makeup effects, who, if you don't know who he is, he is one of the directors and writers of The Void, which just came out this year to the public as well. And not to mention his other director co-partner, Jeremy Gillespie was in this movie as well because he did some of the music in this movie. Uh, there was a lot of famous synthwave musicians that were in this movie, and I think even Jeremy Gillespie did some synthwave-y sort of horror scores as well. Plus, Claudio Simonetti did an original track for this movie who is known for Goblin. But yeah, he did a real original track in this, so pretty cool. What are your thoughts on this? It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, you thought it was funny? I did. I, I thought it was absolutely fucking hilarious. It was just super fucking... Oh, man. Like, it's definitely not a serious film. No, but it's hard to kind of determine that off it the is, bat. Off I didn't the know bat, what to think. Like, it's, it's still kind of like, wait, are, are, they, are they fucking with you or are they serious here? And it's... 
I had, I don't know, I enjoyed myself thoroughly watching this. I wasn't bored at any point. It was, I love the um, throws of naked people all over the fucking place the entire time. Like, I felt like every scene, there's a naked person in the background. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, And yeah. I don't know, this is very Gallo-esque for me. So it was, this was more true to that genre they keep calling it a giallo but in a lot of ways i think it's more of a supernatural giallo yeah but it's still yeah yeah it's there's (laughs) there's a lot of heavy homage in this movie awesome it was just fucking cool yeah no it's cool yeah i love them i think this movie's great first time i saw it like i mentioned kind of before i was like what the, what the fuck? fuck? How I'm am I supposed to handle this? I don't like. I don't. I don't know what the vibe is. And it wasn't until like one of the first scenes where something completely ridiculous happens, and I go, Ah, okay, I get it now. I'm okay. It's okay to laugh now. I've watched it a few times, and I'm still kind of like, What the fuck? But because everything's so deadpan and sarcastic, yes, and like, but it's so stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's silly, stupid, but it's also a really deep film. It is. It's fucking cool. Like, and it's, it's fucking cool. These are the guys from Astron 6. They own and run Astron 6. If you know who they are, they they pretty much have done like Manborg. And there's like a collective of these like really crazy ragtag guys that do these movies from Canada. They have quite a bit of tie-ins in this film to other movies that they've done too, which was yeah. kind, of, kind of interesting and cute, tongue-in-cheek kind of ways that they did it. But. It's considered a horror movie kind of, it's a horror comedy, Giallo. Mm-hmm. And it falls into the category of what they're calling now Canuxploitation films, which is not something that they coined or named or anything, but it's just kind of the byproduct of it. But it pays so much homage to like Lucio Fulci. Big time. It's like a huge boner for fucking Italian film in general, but in particular, I think Lucio Fulci yes. gets a lot of fucking love in this one. Yes. The music's really good. Music I love I love the music in it. It's got that whole synth wave thing. They got bands like Carpenter Brut, who did like three or four songs in there. Like I said, Jeremy Gillespie did it. They had um, another band called Repeated Viewing that did it. And like I said, Claudio Simonetti did that original track, which is really great, by the way. But yeah, pretty much... It's it's one of those movies that you kind of go, what the fuck? And then it like surprises you because it's got some actual depth to it that you're like, God damn, this is kind of deep. Unlike like Evil Dead. And super <laughs> creative, too. Like they yeah. do a lot of cool camera tricks and stuff in it. Yeah, it was awesome. Like they even mentioned that the, the movie is based around the Roman times where editors were considered like the bridge to the netherworld, which is kind of like a key piece to it. Yeah, in a way it is. Right. Like almost like I feel like and this is just my thought on it, that this is a homage to the Wizard of Oz done in a Giallo Italian horror movie style. Huh. And there and I'll make points on why I think yeah. that. But I didn't realize it until I started thinking about Father uh Clark the wizard the wizard right <laughs> and they're talking about the bridge to the netherworld yeah, holy shit <laughs> you know what I mean like there's so many fucking things and I'll, I'll explain more because I, I literally just thought of this give me a second <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm talking about like this movie has is way more deep than it should ever have been it's incredibly deep <laughs> 
but not in the way that it's like it's like if you go looking for it you could go down the rabbit hole right but on the surface it's a fart joke it's double penetration deep yeah (laughs) which is so weird it's kind of like rick and morty you know like you know there's some depth to it even though it's like surrounded by fart jokes yeah fart and burp jokes yeah which is fuck yeah i love rick and morty (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. This is just movie. This movie just throws you off a lot. Oh, big time! I you still, will like not I said, know what to think when you first watch it. I've seen it. it a couple times, and I'm still like, "What?" It's one I said I gotta own this. Yeah, like I, no, I have I'm, to own it. Yeah, I I fucking ordered it. Did you? Yeah, because because <laughs> he loved it. Fucking mouse. He did. Good job, he loved buddy. Loved it so much, and I'm like, I need to. I have to have it. So right. like, it's just I need to watch it whenever I can, when I can really like. Pick it apart. <laughs> Do you know, and, and I've been saying that this is, you just were like, this blew my mind what you just said. But wait till I get into what some of these homages are that, that I do. Because I wrote down all the homages that I personally noticed, plus like one or two that they pointed out in the commentary that I listened to. But there is some trivia about this movie that's pretty interesting. <laughs> They originally shot a lot of different shots like they did Father's Day before they made this movie, kind of as like a concept piece. And they were going to use some of that footage because they got all these scenes and sets and things. Like there was a set where they were like busting up a kitchen with a like a hammer, like a sledgehammer. And they were using the same camera that they used on Father's Day. But they were like, well, maybe we should do, since this is our next film, maybe we should do like a legit camera like the red camera, which is what everybody uses now. Uh, in the film industry. And so they had to throw all those free sets and scenes and everything away. Hmm. So they kind of got, they fucked themselves on that. But I think it was a good choice because it looks really good. Right. Uh, They actually said that they didn't even have a director of photography, but for like 15 minutes. (laughs) Like the director of photography just was there for 15 minutes and left because of the chainsaw scene. Because they thought it was too dangerous. Because they used a real (laughs) chainsaw. Yeah, okay. I can see that. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) If you notice, there's a car chase scene in the movie. Well, those two cars that they were chasing in, they were literally those guys racing in the cars. So the actors who are directors and writers were really racing down a road in unregistered cars that they bought for $1,000. Holy shit. (laughs) And they literally slammed into the back of them like that. Now, they didn't stay in when... It went off the cliff. Well, yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert. Sorry, spoiler guys. Spoiler alert. They didn't yeah, actually we're, die. <laughs> we're definitely getting into the spoilers now. Uh, but yeah, they, they put a GoPro in there to make it, you know, go over the cliff. But this is like grassroots like style making movies. Right. And they really kind of pushed it. They said that they uh, the reason part of the reason that the movie in the movie, all the characters are so obsessed with fame and being in the movies and so obsessed with film in general is because they think that the world is today kind of what I always say about the internet and how everybody wants to have fame and be noticed and everything like that. So they wanted to kind of make a parallel making fun of today's world in the six, the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. by making everybody obsessed with movies. So I thought that was interesting. You know the guy that died in the shower scene? Oh, yeah. He gets stabbed in the neck or whatever. Yes. That guy is fully tatted from head to toe. What? Yeah, but they had to paint his entire body and put a wig on him. Ha, I so, love it. Yeah, what's the actual? What's he actually look like? Do you he's got some really cool tats. Because I want to see it. He just looks like he doesn't look like like he looks the way he looks in the movie looks like he fits the era that he's in. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. But if you look at him with all the tattoos and everything, he totally does not. So they had to like they said he was the most change that they had to make. I want to know what he actually looks like. I'll show you some of the video if you want. Yes. Um. It's it, awesome. Did, I didn't even catch that. Did you notice when the inspector was in the uh, church at the wizard's house? 
the the newspaper he was reading in the church it said yes i was gonna talk about that <laughs> yeah do you know what that is yes oh okay the father's day like reference is that what we're talking about yeah yeah oh my god because guy- in the in the movie it's because on the paper it says uh, local, local father raped and burned to death which is uh it kind of links the movie of father's day which is also a movie they Astro did six. yeah it's one of their other movies i know i, I caught that but i was like I didn't know what it meant. Well, I haven't seen Father's Day in a long time. But they they actually they had a um a couple of those different little pieces. I like Father's Day, too. but I felt it was a little harder to swallow than this movie. Yeah. So they they had another little bit that they did later on too, where I think it was yeah, yeah Josephine. Josephine, I believe yeah. she's reading. It's I believe it was her that was reading the the book that's called Three Mothers. Yes. Which was actually this like perfect reference to again dario argento's third mother trilogy yeah <laughs> like that's so cool that's one of the homages that i have but wait till you hear what i have to tell you and the research i did yeah, on I'm this excited. because you're gonna be like what the fuck i'm gonna shit my pants <laughs> <laughs> did you want is there anything else you wanted to i am the only other thing i had to talk about was graham humphrey's contribute uh, contribution to the posters but yeah who did the evil did yeah cover that, that was really it he but did four posters for them four yeah he did four actual posters for this but, but. which he's a really talented uh cover artist fuck yeah like really <laughs> talented he's done some pretty big stuff so they they wanted to have he did nightmare on elm street evil dead but he designed personally four four posters, four posters. Yeah. but i want to hear your fucking mind-blowing thing i don't need to know well i'll get to that no i need to know it it will it will no. but there's there's some <laughs> homages that i want to point out All in right. this movie this movie is heavily steeped in homages towards the Italian oh, uh, cinema, yeah. <laughs> specifically horror uh, or exploitative nature of some sort. There is a blind girl in the beginning. She goes blind. It's a nod to Fulci's The Beyond. Plus, she gets a seeing eye dog later, which is a nod to that same movie because the blind girl, Emily, in The Beyond has a like a dog with her. She's a, it's like a seeing eye dog, and it's the exact breed. Yeah, and I think that's actually the actress's dog. Maybe. <laughs> that they had. I believe that's her actual pet. That's crazy. But they, they <laughs> even admitted it in the commentary that that was definitely a nod. Uh, the whole dance it. scene where the girls are like doing the choreographed <laughs> dance scene. <laughs> yes. That's an homage. It has a Roller Mobster is the name of the song by Carpenter Brut. Uh, but it is a nod to the movie Murder Rock which is another Italian film by Fulci as well. There's a scene where Sesso sees eyes in the room of the bedroom while he's sleeping next to his wife, Josephine. That was so tits. Yeah, they. Uh, that's an homage to Suspiria. Yes. Uh, although the eyes didn't glow as much. But, but they still the white. But yeah. It, yeah, it was definitely an homage to the suspiria movie yeah which was awesome in my opinion i didn't i didn't hear them say it because they were talking about weird shit throughout the commentary no, that's how i took it too so the sex scene where the inspector is breaking the wine bottle and the glass falls on the blind girl on her chest <laughs> naked it's a, it's it's an homage to the movie called the blade of the ripper aka strange vice of mrs ward with an h on the end W-A-R-D-H, which is the Blade of the Ripper. Right. It's like a 70s movie. There was a scene where the inspector is breaking down the door with an axe, and his wife is being held to the door on the oh. other side, and she, her head's being held to the door, and he is axing on the other side of the door. Well, this is an homage to... No. No? Nope. What? Nope. 
It is a. It's not The Shining, but I mean, I guess you could compare it to that. But they were doing a scene from House by the Cemetery where this little kid is being pushed against the door by the zombie and they're trying to break down the door and they're hitting the axe on the other side. It's the zombies pushing the kid's head. Oh, shit. So I they didn't say that. But again, that's just something I noticed. Anything axe and door, I go The Shining. Right. But 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 again, this is a total jerk off for Italian movies. Oh, you're right. Yeah. So um, there's spiders that... There's a, like the inspectors in the library reading something or whatever, and then spiders start showing up everywhere. That's a total rip from the beyond in the movie. They do spiders attack this guy and bite his face and lip and tongue and shit in the beyond. Uh, another scene that's another homage. And th- look at, listen to how many of those fucking homages there are. There's a scene with the beta tape where he stop, tries to stop the film mm-hmm. and he pulls the tape out and he looks at it and it breathes and he drops it on the ground. Total nod right there to Videodrome. Yeah. And then the screen, <laughs> the guy's talking to him in a way, which is another thing that from Videodrome as well. Um, there was a slight one where they have the fingers crawling across the ground. For whatever reason, that just reminded me of Phantasm, the original movie, mm-hmm. because they have the finger that's crawling across the ground. Um, there is one last scene. Well, there's two more that I got. There's one where the dog finds a hand of... Uh, when the inspector takes the dog to the water and he's like walking around and the dog comes back with the hand. Now I can't remember which movie it is, but it's either zombie part two. Well, it's called zombie two, but zombie, the flesh eaters, but it could also be the beyond (laughs) or the New York Ripper, but I know it's definitely a faulty film. I just can't remember. There's a body part that the dog gets and I just, I can't, it could be even city of the living dead. Shit. I don't fucking know. Um, then the one that you were talking about, which is the Three Mothers book. Now, I did just out of curiosity because I wanted to refresh myself because I knew about the Three Mothers thing because we did Dario Argento's Three Mothers trilogy, mm-hmm. which is Suspiria, Inferno, and Mother of Tears. Now, here's the part that gets pretty interesting, okay? Now, the title is Three Mothers, but it says by Lilith Samael is the name, and I have the picture here. I took a picture of it because I was curious. So I was like, wait a second, Lilith Samael, that sounds really familiar. How do I know this? So I started looking it up, just typed in both those things. And then I started kind of bumping into some stuff, which made a lot of sense. And I was like, okay, they did not talk about this in the commentary either. I just was like, so curious. So the idea of Three Mothers comes from another book as well, by the way, that Dario Argento kind of borrowed it from. The writer Thomas D. Quincy, he did a small piece and they and he's kind of ripped it from that. The author of the book in this movie, like I said, is Lilith Samael, which is essentially the story of the rape of Eve, as in Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now get this. According to Hebrew rabbinic writings, Lilith was the first wife of Adam created by God as twins joined together okay lilith demanded equality with adam especially during sexual intercourse not always being beneath when adam refused to her demands lilith hastily left him fleeing to the red sea where according to other legends she copulated with satan begetting the demonic jinn or 100 babies a day so demons, essentially. God sent three angels to fetch her, but Lilith refused to return. Thus, God gave Adam the docile Eve afterwards to kind of balance it out. 
And uh, but when Lilith saw Adam with Eve, she remembered the holy, beautiful one and rushed back to take her place. Only it was too late. God had locked her out by the you know, he locked her out of that area of the cherubim. That's what they call it. So now in the legend of the fall of man, Eve was tempted by the serpent in the in the Bible. Right. Well, this is in the rabbinic Hebrew writings, but he was tempted by the serpent. According to Christian belief, the serpent was Satan in disguise. Another name for Satan is Samael, Lilith's demonic lover, essentially. So the Kabbalists carried this lore further by saying that the menstrual blood was a curse upon women descending from Eve's sexual union with Lilith in the guise of Samael. When Lilith had seen Samael in his serpentine form seducing Eve, she became envious and entered the act herself. Eve's menstrual blood became the actual filth and impure seed of Samael. And this follows the rabbinic lore that Lilith in the serpent form was able to seduce Eve because of the inherent lustfulness and weakness of women. Mm. In turn, Eve seduced Adam during her menses. Once Adam defiled himself through this forbidden act, Lilith became strong and was able to come to him against his will to steal his seed to engender many demons, spirits, and Lilin is what they call the babies. So demons. I don't know. I just thought it was crazy. Yeah. But they didn't even fucking mention this in the commentary. Are you following me? Totally following you. (laughs) (laughs) I know that it's a lot that I just read, guys, but I just thought it was really interesting that out of two words that I took from that book... That's where you went. ...that it kind of plays into the movie, though, too. It does. Like, they kind of use a little bit of the same, and I wonder why they were putting that in there. I just thought it was interesting to bring up. But you see that the hand comes out of the editor. You remember when he's sticking his hand through the editor machine? That, to me, is a homage to Demons 2. So, did you ever see that? Yeah. Yeah? Do I remember much? Well, no. there's a chick, there's a scene where the girl sticks her, this girl's birthday, or, and she's watching TV in the bedroom instead of enjoying her birthday party, and the demon sticks his head through the face, <laughs> and I kind of feel like it's kind of a small nod to that. Okay. So, and then, this is the Wizard of Oz, the very end, spoiler alert, guys, the very end of the movie the inspector goes back to his job and everybody, he's not the person he thinks he is and nothing that happened was really happening. He thinks he's an inspector, but he's not. And all these people show up and it's like the Wizard of Oz. So you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it, it's totally like everybody's somebody different. Oh, I'm the doctor. What are you talking about? So it was like he was the in the Wizard of Oz somehow. Huh. So I don't know how that works, but I don't know. It's pretty deep, right? Yeah. Like, why the fuck is this movie that deep? There's no reason <laughs> that this movie should be that fucking deep. But maybe these guys just like to troll the fuck out of people like us. And... Uh, yeah, and they're like, we didn't mean any of that. So, but I'm glad you guys... Did all this research and thought that. I don't know. I just found it <laughs> fascinating about the whole fucking Lilith and Samuel thing. No, that's thing. fucking dope. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, why would I? Nobody would ever think of anything of that either. No, exactly. So I'm wondering if I, I need to look it up and see if anybody ever like made that connection with that. Because I'm probably curious. at least one other person that did. I hope so. but At least one. Because <laughs> uh, otherwise I feel like I've done way too much research. <laughs> Uh, or maybe I feel special. Um, but do you have any favorite scenes in this movie in particular that uh, stand out for you? And don't say no. No, I do. Okay. I was like, what the fuck? No, I had no favorite scene at all. <laughs> they all sucked. Oh my God. Oh, when his E, I didn't really like the scene actually. Um, he's kind of 
okay, so the editor's character is kind of stuck in the projection, I guess, this alternate reality that he's in. Right. Um, and then his assistant, this girl, Bella, was that her name? Yeah, Bella, his assistant. Bella. Yeah. Um, he's watching her looking at him on a, the screen, right? So it's, yeah. it's almost like he's watching her, but she's watching him, and it's this weird parallel universe kind of situation going on um, when the killer comes in to attack her. Okay. And they kind of go back and forth with like this little struggle and he ends up grabbing this pair of scissors and comes like the scissors that to cut the film pieces and he ends up coming at her and they do this very, very slow, ultra uncomfortable moment where they keep like take the blades of the scissors and get it really, really close to her eyeball. And they have this like slow instant multiple times to it but then it's like a cutaway and then it just it's gone and you don't know what happened with bella or what happened at all and all of a sudden you just see the editor and he's still kind of stuck in this way but he's trying to get out because he wants to go help her but he's actually like in his bathroom at home at home yeah with the bloody shirt that he set on fire in his bathroom sink and then all of a sudden two seconds later he's back at the studio and he's opening the door and then he sees bella fucking dead with the scissors stabbed into her chest right and you're like what the fuck just happened like, and he's freaking out because he doesn't know who killed out. it out killed her yeah but he keeps getting blamed like everybody thinks that he's the killer because they keep chopping off the four fingers right to make it look like he's it, mad at people for having four for fingers. him losing his four fingers right because essentially what happens in the movie by the way guys he loses four fingers when he's working so hard he's not paying attention and he's cutting the film we well, kind of had a mental break yeah he was like going through a lot of stress and he cut off his four fingers and it's pretty ridiculous this is before this film this yeah before like before his when his wife was still acting yeah, when he was famous, yeah. Right. Yeah. It was interesting. There's like a quite a few different scenes that I like in this movie. The first one that really let me know, and I didn't mention I mentioned it briefly earlier, there's, there was a scene when they were shooting this film, this trash film, and he rips off this girl's face. Oh, fuck, I forgot about that part. Yeah, that was the scene. <laughs> Sorry, that, I love that scene. <laughs> yeah, like he goes, like one of the actors rips off the other girl's face. He's like, this is a mask. And it rips off and you just see this skeleton with flesh. A thousand dollars says this is a mask. <laughs> yeah, and then her face is like, she's like screaming and her whole face is gone. And then he's <laughs> just, just like, we'll just put that back on. It's just eyeballs and teeth. <laughs> yeah, and he just pushes it on her face and then she's like back to normal. Oh, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? I can't believe I forgot about that. Well, I didn't technically forget about it, but we I knew that you really liked that one. But <laughs> That was the one that let me know that the movie was like, okay, I get yeah, it I can now. laugh at this. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, now I get what the film's trying to do. It's not serious. Yeah, it's yeah. not serious. <laughs> I loved it. I, I liked the <laughs> part, too, <laughs> with like the Italian guy that, or the Italian, is he Italian? What? But the guy that you said's covered from head to toe in tattoos. Yeah. That replaces the main actor that's killed, that gets killed. And it's so it's him and then the blonde guy that's like the the secondary actor and they go to take the shower. Cal, he plays Cal. the character Cal. Cal, yeah, yeah the but blonde guy. They go to take a shower, and they're both just like butt ass fucking naked. And then he comes to talk to him, and then what does he say? Like that's a real nice penis you got there. Hey, you got a real nice penis there, Fabio, oh, or whatever. Oh my fucking god! I was just like, and then they just like pan down on the camera, and you're just like, first of all, for me as a lady, I'm just like, there's so much tits and fucking pussy in this film. Oh, there's a lot of dick in it too. There's not enough dick. There never is enough dick. But I was <laughs> more super dick stoked. than most. I'll I was say super that. Stoked because I'm like, yes, wiener. You know, like awesome. And then 
that's just it though like th- this like super uncomfortable moment between the but two they make it so normal but they make it so normal and like hey go, i like your shirt yes exactly yeah. like or do you like ketchup like i don't know it's so <laughs> fucking weird but it was hilarious i i, I don't know I, I laughed so fucking hard there were so many points in this movie you are just fucking laughed well they kind of make fun of the era too because it's like a lot of the movies from the italian movies are kind of misogynistic big time but you know it's kind of the time and you know that it was and yeah it's also a different culture a little bit in a way not saying that like italians are misogynistic but it's just a lot of those movies from the 80s it's a different world than today uh, right yeah you know what i mean like the women are helpless and stupid oh, and naked women like a million fucking times right there was a scene, um, I was going to mention that, um, when uh, CISO is at dinner. In the restaurant. Yeah, and the inspector comes up, slaps his wife because she's back talking to CISO, and because she she's basically making fun of him, and he's like, you need to keep your wa- woman in line. I did it for you this time because I feel sorry for you. She agrees. <laughs> and she's like, he's right. Yeah. <laughs> what am I going to do, slap myself? myself. <laughs> I was like, what the f- fuck that shit was so like what the fuck is going on right now i was just what and then the same with this fucking sex scene god those are great the between the inspector and his fucking now blind wife right jesus actually they do a flashback scene to one of the the cowl guy's girlfriend too yeah that whole sex scene was so the inspector has this weird sex fetish go ahead yeah so he like the with the cow's girlfriend or whatever where he like chases her in the woods in the rain yeah and she like falls down and he like rips her fucking dress open and then just rubs dirt all over his face and that and he's like yeah he's like crazy what the fuck you know and then later in the film he goes to fuck his blind wife but he breaks this fucking like wine bottle. That's and the then, light, yeah. And then it's just like this like jizz stream of glass that like falls all right. over her chest. And I'm like, what in the fuck is going on? Well, and then the best thing is, is that he looks over, he grabs a cake and just oh my chucks God. it on her chest Their and face. Their anniversary cake. I laughed so fucking hard. Yeah. And then he's like looking at the dog. Yeah. At first, he's like looking at the dog and then he can't get off. So what does he look at next? He's like looking at. Isn't it the picture of Cal on the fucking dressing? Yeah. He's Cal looking at Cal on the dresser and then she looks in the mirror at herself. So they're like all having this weird fetish thing. Yeah, it's super fucking weird. like they. There's multiple scenes where it's like the inspector and Cal making out. That's how he finishes, right? Because he imagines that it's Cal as his wife instead right. of him. And then Cal's having sex with his girlfriend. And pictures the inspector. The inspector, yeah. So and it's I'm like this weird. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it was fucking insanely crazy. But and and then my final favorite scene, which I loved the tension that led up to it. Was when his blind wife gets captured in the kitchen by the killer, the quote unquote killer, and they, he closes the door. And then the inspector's brilliant fucking idea is to go and grab this fucking like hatchet, or actually it's an axe, it's a full on axe from out in his shed. And he starts to hack the fucking door down instead of just hitting the handle like a normal person, right. breaking the fucking lock off and just kicking the door open. He's hacking the fucking door into pieces so he can reach in and open it, I'm assuming, is what <laughs> yeah. he's trying to do. Well, the killer is holding her head to the door the whole time. And you know eventually he's going to move her in the way. Right. But you don't know when he's going to do it. And so that tension that they played was one of my favorite bits 
the entire film of just pure horror element. Right. And then finally he goes to do the last whack into the door and he moves her head right into the fucking space and you just hear the like into her skull and then her fall onto the floor and then that's it. Yeah. And then he comes in and he's just like, what the fuck? He takes the axe out of her head very slowly and then he tries to chop off her four fingers. Yeah, to make it look like he did, yeah. And he has to do it like four times. (laughs) And I'm like, that axe sucks. What the fuck? And then all of a sudden the knife they have later on just like slices like butter through fingers and I'm like, really? Well, yeah, when he chops off, the reason he chops off her fingers is because he wants to- Oh, I know where he does it, but I mean, to me, I'm like, that axe really, it took you like three times to chop off her fingers. Well, I don't mean, I meant for them. Oh, for, sorry. Yeah, (laughs) sorry, guys. The reason he's chopping off her fingers is to make it look like the killer came to his house. Exactly. Because he fucked up. Yeah. And and the the best part is when the cop comes in. The cop, yes, the fucking- He's like, like, freeze! Oh my God, I loved it. And he like brainwashes this like- rookie cop here hold this gun or yeah. hold this axe hold this axe oh my then, god you just incriminated yourself no, your hands are on the murder weapon <laughs> and then he's like hands him this beer like, he pours these beers and he hands him this beer he's like oh you're drinking on the job see me i just hold this like i just i'm just here to hold it or whatever yeah. he fucking says like <laughs> like you're it's, just too drunk funny. you don't remember it was a black man it right was a black man and he's like so what are you gonna say and he like moves his mouth he's like it that it was a black man and i'm like oh my god <laughs> It was fucking ridiculous. It is pretty ridiculous. But that scene I really liked, especially when after he removes the axe and then the dog comes up and licks her face. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> One of my other favorite parts that made me laugh was uh, the inspector keeps going to talk to the priest. <laughs> and he keeps calling him a wizard. And um, it's like... It's like it makes sense with the whole Wizard of Oz like connection thing that we were talking about because it totally is. It's totally the Wizard of Oz somehow in their weird Canadian mind somehow, I guess. But he goes, the priest touches him when he's like, he's like, wizard, where are you? Wizard. (laughs) And the priest touches him. He's like, don't you dare bring that book in here. And he touches his arm and the inspector's arm catches on fire. (laughs) And the inspector looks at his arm like, oh, shit, there's fire on me. And he puts it out and he looks at the priest and he turns to the priest and he says, it's just a bit of fire, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's nothing. like it's nothing like, hey, I just caught fire. No big deal. So what are you doing today? <laughs> and this is after he runs down the fucking aisle of the church and grabs a fucking dude in the aisle and shoves him into the pews. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I fucking died. <laughs> like, he's just like, he's like, ah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? And then you just see like these little feet like sticking out <laughs> fucking aisle. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Oh, wizard. <laughs> wizard. You're that wizard. What are you doing? Uh, oh, it's just a bit of fire. It's just a bit of fire. Yeah. And, and the funny, the funny thing is, shit. is that they edit, they like do their voices and post so that it oh, looks it's like terribly like dubbed. it looks like Italian. Yeah. And that only some people are doing like yeah. English. So oh God, it's really it interesting. So um, there was a cool scene there where the uh, the new editor gets killed yes. by disemboweling, and then they use his organs cool. to feed it into the projection, which is the cover of the, the whole movie, technically. That was so cool. I, I don't know. It's just an interesting thing, and that apparently is the is the cover that they came up with before they even made the movie. Nice. So um, it's just the movie takes a lot of turns, and you think the movie's going to end like seven times. <laughs> Yes, you do. By the end of the movie, and, you know, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler alert, you find out that it's his wife. Which Paz, I do. Yeah, Paz from the beginning. de la Huerta. Sort of his wife. Josephine. No, it's his wife. 
Yeah, but I mean, it's they still uh, anyway. She's like the wicked witch of the West, pretty much. God damn, man! What has anybody ever pointed this out that this is a, a Wizard of Oz? I don't think so. Am I just no? There can't. I can't be the only one. It's probably because not many people watch this movie. Probably. <laughs> But yeah, I guess she's like the Wicked Witch of the West. And she melts at the end. Yes, which is dope. See? So this totally is. I can see it. You see what I'm saying? Like, they, she melts. Well, they think it's CISO. They get in this car accident, the inspector and him. And then the inspector is about to kill fucking him. And he gets in the way and gets stabbed and realizes it's Josephine who's actually the murderer. What were you going to say? <laughs> Sorry. You were like, so. The the editor's character is kind of like the cowardly lion. And the inspector's character is kind of like the one that needs the heart. Is it? Why would, why, why would, uh. Because uh, he doesn't have any fucking, he can't stand up to his stupid wife. So who's Dorothy? I don't know, her. I thought. Editor, well, she's the wicked witch. I thought the editor was the Dorothy. Well, because essentially. She, because the editor is the bridge to the netherworld. Right. Okay, she so is the bridge to be, the netherworld. To me, I feel like he'd almost be like the fucking cowardly lion because he's a pussy but hmm yeah i don't know if they went that deep into it no but But, i mean if we're going in that realm of it like obviously the fucking inspector dude's the one that needs the heart (laughs) because he's a piece of shit (laughs) yeah that was like weird and then what was it he tries to shoot josephine the inspector tries to shoot josephine and his gun backfires and blows his hand (laughs) yeah he loses his four fingers and shit he's like he goes to put his or his hand in his fucking pocket to get the lighter or something he's, he's like, like oh that's right i don't have fingers on this yeah. hand anymore <laughs> like it's so normal it's so no- i loved it i was oh i was laughing so hard it's funny too because at the end he goes when he goes back to his boss the boss is like he's like yeah and you missed work a whole fucking day because your stupid little hand <laughs> yeah your stupid You're little like, hand what the fuck his hand looked like a bomb went off in his hand like <laughs> <It> basically did <laughs> Oh man, oh, so good. I, honestly, I mean, what do you what do you think though after watching this? Oh, it's fucking hilarious. Like, absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Like, it's it's one of those. It's gonna take you a couple times to watch it to like really understand what the fuck's going on, and even then, you're still not gonna understand what the fuck's going on or what they're trying to do. Like, obviously, Alex is going into this whole like wizard of oz thing i'm telling you man but it makes sense like it the totally does why it would down, she like, melt i get it so i see where you're going the with wizard it, so i understand um but there's a million different ways you can interpret this film there's literally a million different ways anyone can interpret it and that's what i love about it because it's not cut and dry it's not one thing in particular it's i can perceive this any way i want to perceive it yeah i don't know it's weird and it's I, fucking awesome i need to look into it because i i swear to god it totally is no, I totally want you to do that because I want and I want you to report back and let me know. <laughs> Did anybody see this movie and get that connection? If not, I totally understand. I get it that you pointed it out, but when I watched it, I didn't. Yeah, when I was reading, when I was going through the different character, the actors and the characters, and I was like, wait, the wizard? Because like, it I, would make sense why he keeps referring to him as the wizard. Well, because I was going through the homage list when I was doing the homage list, and at the end of the movie, the inspector goes back and he's like. You're not the inspector. He's like, I thought he's like, you're dead. You're dead. You're dead. And then I was like, oh, God, that's the Wizard of Oz right there. And then I just thought about it. I was like, wait, Wizard, Wizard of Oz. Oh, my God. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. I'm jerking myself off in the mirror here, guys. Don't mind me. That's delicious. Look at yourself, you sexy bitch. Yes. You sexy, sexy mental bitch. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Anyway. My last thoughts on it is probably one of the deepest horror comedies ever made because yeah. of 
because of what we did. I don't know if these guys are just trolls, geniuses, or both. I'm going to go with both. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck. But <laughs> it's it's silly as fuck, but it's fun as fuck because it has a lot more depth to it than any other comedy I've ever seen, which makes it a great watch, in my opinion. It's, not, it's a kind of a popcorn and pizza and beer flick in a way. <laughs> yeah. But if you actually pay attention, there's some depth to it. So it's like you can kind of win either way. Like you could watch this on the surface and enjoy it. But after watching it a couple of times, there's so many fucking tidbits in this movie for any fan of horror or Absolutely. just shit. So I don't know. Like Film. I said, it's it can be perceived and interpreted a million different ways. It's up to the viewer to see where they want to go with it. Yeah. So I, I'm I, curious to see what our listeners think. Yeah. What do you guys think? What and do you, where they went with it. First of all, guys, let us know what you think of these movies. If you've seen them, did you like them? Which one of these two movies do you like more? Do you like... barbarian sound studio or the editor more if you had to pick the two what about you Brittany? oh jesus you know what i know what you're gonna pick do you though it's it's two different categories like i was saying it absolutely is but i I you can't compare the editor to the barbian sound system it's really hard sound studio it's really hard actually to do this comparison but honestly rewatchability rewatchability I'm going, I'm going with the editor. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, to be honest, it's bur- fun. Burbian. God Burbarian. damn it. I can't say shit. Burbarian. Burbarian sound studio. <laughs> Burbarian. Burbarian. But, but yeah, we're going with like pure rewatchability, fun factor, like entertainment factor. Obviously, the editor, hands yeah. down. However, I still and will forever have a big ass fucking lady boner for Barbarian Sound Studio because it is just incredible. Yeah. In its own way. They they really are not comparable films, but in a way we made them comparable. I don't know. But they're both complete mindfuck movies. Like, yeah. you can go any direction with either of these and be like, and create your own fucking, you can choose your own adventure. It is weird because they are very similar. In the to- oh, absolutely. And then like the tone of the it's, story. It's kind of based off the same genre in a way. And I mean, I it's, like I said, they're both choose-your-own-adventure movies. <laughs> yeah, they, they are some deep movies, actually. Yeah, they're incredible. Strangely deep, even though well, they're completely... Well, strangely deep for the editor. <laughs> well, no, I mean, the Barbarian Sound too. Studio is pretty fucking deep as well. Yeah, but it's definitely more artsy. Yeah. It, it's got, like, one of those, like, what is life about kind of things. And yeah, what's like, the meaning of life? Let me describe how me feeling sad about this situation could be just put into like an hour and a half movie. It's very Italian art. Yeah, <laughs> totally. But uh but yeah guys, that's it for our show today of Behind the Screams <laughs> I can't scream. It's the best you get. So I hope you enjoyed that, guys. I know it went a little bit long today, but that's okay. These things happen. We get pretty passionate about movies, and I'm sure you guys do too. So we hope you enjoyed today. Thank you guys for entering into the BTV VIP Club. Just keep in mind, if you didn't win, no big deal. If you've entered and you are part of the VIP Club, you're entered for the next time we do one. We're going to continuously do these through there unless we do like a quick little fun little horror shot thing or something like that. But, we'll have lots uh, more contests and shit, guys. Don't worry about it. And congratulations again to Roger Lindsay. Thanks so much for participating. I think you're a new person, too, so welcome aboard. Congratulations, winner. Yes, congrats. Yeah. Thank you so much for entering. <laughs> but uh, we'll be back on Monday with a brand new episode for you. Stay tuned, guys. Stay weird, monsters. Stay weird, monsters.